Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have our special guest, Kate Bailey. Kate, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Appreciate it. Excited about it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you here. And you have so much going on. But before we get to what you're doing today, uh, can you give us a little bit of background and kind of introduce yourself to us? Maybe tell us where you're from and sort of where you started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, kind of in a nutshell, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm, I'm from Wyoming originally. Um, grew up in a small town in, in Wyoming and moved to Colorado about 25 years ago for college. I was, um, I was a writer. I was kind of this, um, you know, idealist. I, I wanted to be a magazine writer and went to undergrad for history. I have a master's degree um, in history as well. And it was always kind of with this idea of becoming a journalist, um, which I did early in my career. I started out in magazine industry as I wanted to, um, made my way up at a pretty early age to editor-in-chief of a wow. local design publication in Denver called Colorado Homes and Lifestyles when I was 27 years old. Um, and by the time I was 30, I was burned out already on the industry. <laughs> Um, I, I was actually, I was up in Aspen and I was working at Aspen Magazine as the managing editor when the recession started in 2007, 2008, and um, was laid off like a lot of other people in the magazine industry. It was just that huge transition time in kind of where communications was going, where media was going, you know, blogs had started and, and, and sort of social media had started. And so I think that kind of what I recognized at that point when I got laid off was, well, you know, is this, is this really something that, that feels sustainable to me? Because it was um, definitely a big transition period. And so I actually decided I had a friend that was in public relations and she was like, you know, you'd make a really great PR person. You should give that a shot um, just because it's a different, you know, it's similar industry, but, but definitely a, a, a different side of it. And so um, started working as a freelance public relations person in 2008, right after I got laid off and, and really just kind of figured it out. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a ton of formal training around it, but, but started to work for some nonprofits and then, um, ultimately actually got connected with some advertising agencies as a freelance copywriter. And that was about 2010. Um, and what I, what I found in that time period was that I actually really loved the business side of things. And so um, one of the agencies that I worked for, this is, you know, right when Facebook marketing started taking off content marketing, blogging, things like that. And, you know, he just said to me, he was like, look, you, you're a great storyteller. You understand media. It's basically the same thing. It's just kind of transferring the concept of magazine editorial to a brand instead. And so these brands are kind of, um, you know, they kind of have their own publications, if you will, through their blogs, et cetera, et cetera. So set up their social media department um, and then, you know, just got curious about business um, and, and had a, a great mentor who mentored me to open my agency, which I did about five years ago. So now I have Animal Media. 
uh, which is what we call a communications management agency. So we kind of manage all of the communications ecosystem for small businesses, um, mostly in the design industry, but also sort of luxury lifestyle level, um, really trying to tell those authentic stories across all of the different platforms. You know, communications is so complicated today. Um, I think a lot of brands have a hard time sort of understanding how to um, bring those stories together across all these different platforms. And so that's really what, what we do. Um, you know, I think that along the way, I, I would say, you know, all of the, all of the relationships that you sort of, you know, develop over the time of the first sort of decade of your career. I think, I mean, it's kind of funny. I look at, I look at the intersectionality of all the different things that I, that I did at the magazine, but also, um, you know, I lived in Aspen and I lived in Denver and I kind of had this wide network of people that were really um, between you know, graphic designers and advertising people and, and the design industry and sort of looking at how all of that ultimately ended up coming together when I started my business. Um, that was kind of the, 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 those were the people that I reached out to when I finally launched. And, and I think that that's kind of been one of the really cool things about being in this community for so long is knowing people um, and, and really deeply understanding sort of this industry and what, and what people want was the thing that really made us successful. So. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing that. Now, when you made this transition, I mean, I didn't realize that you were the editor of Colorado Homes and Lifestyles when you were that young. I mean, so oh my amazing. gosh. Yeah, that, that's amazing and quite the achievement. So in, in all of kind of your journey, um, you know, it sounds like there's been a real blend of digital and sort of traditional marketing as well as more relationship marketing as well. Can you tell us sort of how you see some of that integrating together or how you do that in your current Annabelle Media business? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I think is so interesting is that, you know, when clients come to us, a lot of times they sort of see digital as being this like, you know, golden nugget, right? Where, oh, well, if I'm just my, my website can be found on SEO and we have a great social media and, and we, we have a good story and we have a good website, then clients will come to me. Right. And, right. and what, what we really try to say to them is that that's not actually the case that it, it is still in this world, no matter how digital it gets, the analog world is still one of the most important pieces of people's business. And we sort of see it as a three pronged approach effectively that you have your digital communications and you do have to tell that story and you have to have, um, you got, you have to have that unique conversation with people online that's going to distinguish you from your competition, right? So that's kind of the digital ecosystem piece. Um, make it, you know, easy to navigate, pleasant to look at. Right. Don't, don't sell too much. Don't shout at people. Tell your story. Um, the second piece, and, and we still really do believe in traditional kind of marketing techniques, whether it's, um, you know, newsletters, I consider somewhat traditional because people used to mail them, but now they email them. Right. But I do think that those kind of regular touch points with your, with your customers, um, getting in your inbox every, every month or so, just kind of keeping your brand in front of them, but, but sharing relevant content, sharing things that people want to know about under, you know, not, not selling 
product, but really kind of sharing knowledge. And so I think that, you know, that, um, I mean, really, you know, even mailers these days are more widely read than they used to be because people don't get as much junk mail. Traditional advertising, I think, still very much has its place. People are still reading magazines, whether they read them digitally or read them physically. Um, so we really do believe that that is a second, you know, that second prong is still really important. And the third one, which to me is the most neglected by most business owners today, um, is that relationship piece. And, um, you know, I think that one of, the, one of the things that we all need to sort of shift back to is not just relying on these digital pieces, but also really understanding that those relationships, those kind of business development conversations, um, getting out, meeting people, networking, nothing's going to replace that. Right. And so, you know, I, I have a great, a great story of a, of a client um, who shall remain nameless, but she, she's an interior designer in town and so, so, so talented, but, but very much an introvert, right? And, and when we started working with her, you know, she, I tried to explain to her, I was like, you know, you, you're going to have to get out of your <laughs> world and meet people and get to know people because that is the only way that they're going to even know who you are, or what you're about. And people tend to hire people. I mean, especially in the service-based industries, um, you could be the best at what you do, but if people don't like you, then they're not, not going to hire you. Right. And so, um, and it's been about three years of working with her kind of off and on. We did all of her digital stuff. We've done a lot of public relations for her, gotten her published. And we, we established this um, online journal that she's going to be launching um, with this idea of, how can I get her to feel comfortable talking to people and going out and meeting new people? And so we established this online magazine for her because she's a great writer. And um, she is now, because she wants to launch this magazine, she has to go out and talk to people and interview them and ask them for submissions. And, and all of a sudden, she started to do this. And she, she came to me the other day and she was like, now I get it. <laughs> I, I understand why you had me do this because it's as, as her marketing machine, what it's doing is it's this cool online journal, kind of online magazine where she gets to talk about her design philosophy and her ideas, but she also has to go out and get people to write things for her. And so she's been reaching out to real estate people and architects and, and through this has started to develop these relationships that she would have never have done otherwise if she didn't have this this kind of online magazine as her reason to call them and talk to them. And so that's really what we try to do is figure out how can clients sort of have this feeling of authenticity around their business development and around their relationship building. Um, you know, we have another client up in Aspen who really wants to connect with realtors. So we've devised a blog idea um, that is a real estate guide to Aspen where the owner of the company has to contact real estate agents to get their opinions and get their ideas for this real estate guide to Aspen. Well, what that's doing is it's opening the door to another conversation. Um, and it's not a sales pitch and it's not a business development pitch. It's actually calling and saying, Hey, I'd like to get your quote for this story. Um, and so that's really what we try to do with our clients is try to kind of help them build something that feels authentic to them, that gives them the opportunity to go out and do those sort of sales and business development calls um, without it feeling like a sales or business development call. That's so awesome and such a creative way of doing it. I think you're so right. I, I joke sometimes that it's like I'm the queen of the Trojan horse. Because <laughs> exactly. what I mean, 
It's like, it's like <laughs> I, I laugh about it, but it's really true. It's about figuring out how you can provide value to the people that you want to have as customers without yeah. ever bringing up your, your sales pitch or your service exactly. goods or whatever until you've already built some trust and until you've yeah. come to them and made their life easier um, and, and done something of value for them. Then it's like, I joke, but it's like, they can't help but ask me what I need because once they realize that their needs are being met or I'm, I'm fulfilling something of value for them, it's mm -hmm. this really cool way of doing it. But I, I do, I joke that it's like, I'm the queen of the Trojan horse. And <laughs> that's kind of like what you're doing. You're, you're yeah. helping people identify a way to, to bring value while still creating the opportunity for them to get what they're looking for out of it as well. Absolutely. And awesome. I think that what, what it, it's different for everybody, you know, I mean, we, we really try to dive into, especially the clients that tend to be more introverted. Um, you know, there are, you know, there's a lot of people that just aren't salespeople. I mean, I've, we've never at Annabelle media, we've never done a formal sales marketing or business development campaign. It has always been, you know, word of mouth referral. It's been us kind of saying, Hey, you know, let us help out with this. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, you know, I mean, I, I started my business by giving three clients free services for three months. And then I said at the end of that, if, if you feel like this was worth it, then this is what the price is for a retainer. And, um, you know, I think that you don't have to quite go to those extremes, but, <laughs> but I mean, when, when you're starting out particularly, I think that that's one of the more important things is really finding people that you can just say, Hey, let me, let me do some complimentary work. Let me do some work for 50% discount, whatever that is, because it is about establishing that trust about establishing those relationships and, and going above and beyond. I mean, I think that like, to me, the relationship conversation is, is always that idea of one or two steps above and beyond what you think you should have to do. Um, and, and that goes so far in, in this world. I mean, I think that we're kind of living in this atmosphere where th there's very much sort of what's in it for me is, is right. always the conversation. And, and I, I think that when, when you can approach your relationships with, without that conversation of what's in it for me and really authentically try to, um, try to, try to just be good to your brother, right? And right. do the right thing and go above and beyond. Um, that goes so far in, in, in the conversation around social capital because uh, it is so rare anymore. You're right. And, you know, and I think that's a, a great lead into sort of, I'd love to know what your, what you believe the, the key ingredients are to creating social capital. Yeah. I mean, definitely that above and beyond every time. Um, I think another big piece of this is just doing things that you're uncomfortable that make you slightly uncomfortable going to events that you're like, oh, I really don't feel, I mean, every time that I have gone to an event that I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go or, Oh, this seems like it could be kind of boring or I always end up meeting somebody that is interesting right and and it and it may not be somebody that moves my business needle tomorrow but it could in five or ten years and I, I think that one of, one of the things this great book that I'm reading that I recommend to everybody that is a business owner or is kind of entrenched in a business it's called the messy middle oh. and it's this really wonderful um, I think it was written by the guy that started the Behance network I can't remember exactly what it is but it is a dynamite book 
for anybody that deals with those daily struggles of, of entrepreneurship, business ownership, even, even really business development, um, and trying to grow businesses. Right. But what he says is, you know, the most successful companies have the long-term view. It's not about what can this person do for me right now? It's about this person and having a relationship with them that could turn into something 10 years from now. I mean, I, I've got relationships with people that I've been talking to for three years about marketing. And all of a sudden one day they call us and they say, Hey, we're ready to go. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, that not, not approaching your relationships with people, not approaching those sales calls as business development calls with the idea of what can you do for me tomorrow? Are you, I want you to become a client now, but really understanding those long-term relationships is something that I think is, is, is a piece that we all really need to get back into the habit of. It's, it's kind of the old school way of doing things, but I really think that with, with how prolific digital has become, it's those personal relationships that are becoming more valuable than ever before. Um, so yeah, I think, what did I say? I said, <laughs> the, the value of relationships, long-term relationships, definitely getting outside of your comfort zone, going and doing things that you wouldn't normally do. Um, and, and, and really just going above and beyond when, when you do promise to do something for somebody, do it and, and then go one, one or two steps above that. That's awesome. And you know, you and I, we've known each other for what, seven or eight years now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, our paths crossed and, and kind of overlap in different things. I didn't see you for a couple of years. Then all of a sudden I, we were, something happened and either we were connected and then I saw you over and over again. Yep. And it's fun to just watch in that, like you said, just watching how those relationships can grow and what comes from them. And then being able to see each other develop and grow in our own places and watching the, the potential for overlap there as well. Uh, I'm so thankful that you were willing to come on this show with me. Um, and you've just been an inspiration. Your ability to connect with people, engage people into what you have going on, really create excitement and enthusiasm. I mean, it's clear that you're passionate about what you do and how you, you help people. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about where you think maybe your passion comes from? Oh my goodness. Um, I think I just was born with a ton of energy. I'm not really sure. <laughs> You know, I, I, without getting too far into it, um, when I was 22 years old, I've always been a really energetic person, but, um, when I was 22 years old, I got swelling of the brain from, uh, an accident and I was, I was sick for a really long time. I was sick for about 10 years total, um, with complications from, from what had happened between about age 22 and 32. And in that time, you know, was able to be very successful, but, but it was, it was a struggle. Like, I mean, I had crushing headaches every single day and I really didn't feel good, but I think that, you know, probably part of it is my personality. Part of it is, is my upbringing, um, of just, you know, being, being raised by a father who you, you didn't, you didn't let anything get you down. Right. <laughs> um, but when I finally got well, what I realized because I hadn't felt normal for 10 years. Yeah. And when I got well, I just, I don't know. I just seized life by the horns every single day. And, and I, I want people to feel the same way that I do about how exciting of a world we live in today. And, and I think that, that I see so many people who are, 
dragged down by stress, by, you know, the stress of, of being a business owner or even being, you know, an employee inside of a business and sort of how stressful our work world can be. And so if, if my job on this planet is to bring some light and excitement and unicorns and rainbows to people's lives and then help them live their dream. I mean, I think that that's the thing that I love the most about my job is that I get to help these other business owners. You know, I get to live my dream because I get to make my own schedule and do my own thing, sort of. I still work 16 hours a day, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I get to live this life of sort of life on my own terms. And I also get to help other people do the same. And, and that's really what drives me every day is just being able to have help these other business owners and these other people have joy in their lives because it, it is such a short life and um, you never know when, when it can be taken away from you. And, and, you know, I experienced that and, and I, I, so I live every day, like, like there's no tomorrow. That's awesome. And you really do. I mean, the energy that comes from you is you, <laughs> don't leave your presence without feeling like a little bit of <laughs> empowerment or maybe well, just, you know, unicorns and rainbows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unicorns and rainbows. I mean, it's awesome. And I know sometimes that that's hard for people to swallow. It's kind of funny. It's like <laughs> right. some people just don't understand that piece of it all. Like why are you so happy? You. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing. Like we oh. have that same sort of magnetic personality. And, and But I think that also, you know, one of the things – for, for people that don't have these kind of personalities like you and I have, because we do both have very big personalities and we are sort of happy, positive people. And you know, my sister's always kind of grumpy at me about it. She's like, how are you always so optimistic? <laughs> but, but you don't have to be this magnetic type of personality. You can be an introvert and still have this kind of, you know, conversation around social capital and be able to get out and network. It's just a matter of the same conversation that I've had with both of these designers is like, how, how can we do this so that it feels authentic to you? Um, and, and, you know, just, just getting out and meeting people and being a good person and helping. I mean, so, so I think that part of what it is, is really tapping into um, what feels natural to you some people are great salespeople. Some people are just good at helping. Um, but what feels natural to you? What makes you feel good? And then use that to figure out that kind of Trojan horse with other people. Yeah, that's huge. And with having all the background and the experience that you have in helping businesses really be able to bring those three pieces, that traditional digital and in-person marketing kind of together, do you have any advice for the, the listeners or the audience that would sort of, if they're in this position where they're saying, okay, how do I grow my influence? How do I build more social capital or so, more social value in my network? Mm -hmm. what would you kind of, would you give them a couple of tips or tricks that you think um, can be practically applied? Yeah. I think that one of the most important and continuously overlooked things is strategic partnerships, especially for business owners. Um, you know, you think about, you know, as, as a business owner, I can sit here and I can think about, the other industries that cross over into my industry that I could potentially find partners that could introduce me to potential clients, right? So just on a pure business development strategy standpoint. So, you know, in the design industry, there's interior designers. Well, they can partner with subcontractors. They can partner with kitchen designers. They can partner with furniture companies. They can partner with all of these other businesses that have similar 
demographics that they're selling to and, you know, have an event, um, feature them on your social media, very simple things that create these kind of give take relationships that I think that those, those strategic partnerships are something that's totally overlooked. And so to me, it's just kind of sitting down and saying, what are the 10 businesses that surround my business that could potentially bring in some potential clients someday, right? Not going into that relationship thinking, I want your clients, but going into that relationship and saying, you know, how can we help each other to get more reach to just, you know, to get my brand out there a little bit further and a little bit, a little bit wider. Um, I think that the other really important tip is having a very clear story about who you are and why you're doing what you're doing, not what you're doing, not what you're providing, not what your services, what your product is, but why. And people connect with that why. I mean, it's Simon Sinek is, is obviously the guru on, on right. why, but, but there really is something to it. And I think that in this kind of you know, world where you're constantly getting shouted at on social media and, and sold, and, and I think that, that dialing into why you're doing what you're doing is, is critical. That's awesome advice. And, and you're right, I, I, partnerships is huge. I mean, the power of our alliance and I think it's, a, I agree with you. I think it's a very underserved piece of our business in a lot of ways. I, I was just talking to someone about throwing an event and it's like, we can throw a $15,000 party. And if we have 10 of us, we can each pay 1250 yeah. bucks or whatever and have a $15,000 party and you know, or, or $1,500, whatever that comes out to, but you know, and share that. And each of us built, bringing our own network yeah. It's beneficial for each person in it. And yet instead of having maybe a hundred people from my network, we can have a thousand people by every person bringing theirs. And there's so much power in that. I, I really love that you brought that up because I think that's where we are really stronger together than we are on our own. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, and sometimes, sometimes these things work really well and sometimes you like put it together and you think it's going to be great and it flops and you're like, okay, well, let's try another <laughs> right one. But I, I think that that's probably the third piece of advice that I have is, is just tenacity. Like it, not everything is going to work. Not every coffee that you have is going to be great. Some of them are going to be awkward. Some of them are you know, going to be people that only want something from you and you give and then they don't give back. But the, the important part is to not focus on the things that didn't work well. It's just to learn from those, right? Like don't see that as a failure. See that as I learned something, I met someone, this happened, this worked, let's move on to the next thing. Constantly just kind of tweaking as you go. I mean, like I'm always just kind of like looking around and sort of <laughs> on top and below and around the sides and, and trying to figure out, you know, okay, so what, what was really good about this? What didn't work? And then how can we make more good happen out of this type of tactic? Um, but, but really the long-term game is where it's at. I mean, none of this stuff happens quickly. We think that because, you know, we live in this digital world where everything is at the touch of a button, that relationship should be the same way, that I should connect with this person and then automatically get three clients. But the reality is, is that, you know, anything in this world is going to take two to three years to develop. And, and just, but, but starting somewhere and having having the vision, having the willingness to just continue to keep going with it is the thing that's really going to make it solid. 
instead. That's great advice. And so true. It takes time and trust takes time, but it can be lost in an instant. It takes yes. a long time to build, but it can be lost. Yeah, lost in an instant. Exactly. Which is, which is why continuing to provide genuine value, I think is the most important thing that we can do. So, you know, and you're obviously absolutely a pro at relationships and anyone who has the opportunity to meet you, it doesn't take long to <laughs> figure out how you, why and how you're so engaging. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about maybe how relationships have been critical to your success? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, relationships have been everything in, in my, in my success, truthfully. I mean, the relationship that I had with my very first client was an architecture firm in Boulder. Um, I had, you know, sat next to the principal at, I think an ASAD awards banquet when I was first starting out at the magazine when I was 27, started my agency back in Denver in gosh, I think it was about 10 years later, probably. And, you know, this, this client and I, we just kind of, we were buddies, you know, we were skiing every once in a while and, 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 but, but didn't really have a, a relationship other than the fact that we sent each other Christmas cards every year. It was kind of random. (laughs) Um, and when I got started, I called him up and I said, you know, Hey, um, starting this agency, you're one of my favorite architecture firms. Would you be willing to do this? I'll work for you for free for three months. And, and then would you refer me to a couple of other people that might be interested as well? And with that one relationship that set off the entire, my entire company, um, you know, and I think that it, it was, it, I mean, it was a gamble. Absolutely. But at the same time, I look back on it now and I'm like, yeah, that was actually really smart. (laughs) (laughs) I just kind of thought about it. My, my mentor had mentioned it. She was like, go work for free for somebody and and show them what you, what you have. And, um, and you know, I mean, in relationships, like every single, I'm not every single client, but I would say 80% of our clients have come off of referrals from great relationships. And it, and it wasn't even necessarily with, from, from referrals from clients, it was referrals from advertising people, or it was referrals from somebody who heard about us, who knows somebody who has worked with us. And so, you know, those relationships have been hugely critical to our success. That's so awesome. And I, I just give you serious props for taking that leap back, you know, five years ago. When, <laughs> right. and I'm pretty sure it was around that time that you were throwing that event with that. Architect that yeah. yeah. And yeah. that event has gone on to become, yeah. you were like kind of the catalyst of that. And it has gone on to take on a life of its own. Yeah. Um, and it's really, right. I, I imagine it's fun to watch it and its progression in that, in that way. It is. And I, it's very much in that same vein of like, let's get 12 people in the room to spend $1,500 a piece and throw a $15,000 party. It was that exact same concept. And it, it worked. I mean, it, it worked. worked beautifully. It's on, I think the started, we started in 2014. So it's on its fifth year now. And it's been really fun to watch it grow. Um, and you brought in sponsors like, like us and we were still, yeah. we're still sponsoring. So, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, that's a lot of fun. You know, I would love to know now kind of where you are now. I know you're involved in a few things. You've got a, you've got so much. So can you just kind of catch us up and, and tell us yeah. a little bit about what you're doing now? Absolutely. So with Annabelle Media, what we, what we are starting and what we're, we're launching over the next year is actually a consulting program. It's something that 
I've really seen a niche in the marketplace. Um, so with traditional Annabelle Media clients, it's a monthly retainer, um, you know, year-long contract. And, and what we've really found is that a lot of companies, especially small businesses, you know, that monthly retainer can feel cumbersome. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's $3,000 a month, $2,500 a month, and that's a lot of money for a small business that is kind of constantly in cash flow flux. But we also know that most companies not even most, all companies need these communication strategies in place to be successful anymore because right. you can't just buy an ad in a magazine and have a successful business. And so what we did is we sort of saw that gap in the marketplace between companies that couldn't afford retainers at all, but still needed help and companies that could afford retainers. Um, and those were the ones that were, you know, making their right. way up the ladder. So what we did is we created this consulting program based off of all of our best practices on retainer clients that spends between four and six months with a client. We give them all of the tools that they need to be able to market their company. So we write their social media strategy. We do their brand messaging, their voice. You know, we'll rewrite their website if we need to. We'll redo their website if we need to. Um, putting together newsletter strategies, blog strategies, et cetera, and then putting it all together in a really simple format that they can then manage it in house. So, you know, oh. we sort of see this as companies having an assistant that can, you know, do the social media, but maybe doesn't really understand how to tell a story or do it creatively. So we kind of come in and put all of the parameters in place, all the best practices in place, make it idiot proof, like plug and play. This is exactly what it should look like. This is what it should say. Here's your topic calendar. Um, and then also, you know, extending out into business development tactics. I mean, so it's, it's really this robust kind of marketing education, um, teaching a man to fish, right? Yeah. And, then, and then once the company is done with the consulting program, they can stay on with Annabelle Media at a very low retainer every month um, where we come in and we, you know, do reporting and we meet with them once a month and say, okay, how's this going? Here's some more ideas. So kind of staying involved as we can but really allowing those businesses to be able to do it themselves, um, which has been proven hugely successful so far. It's been really great. So we're excited That's to expand awesome. that. Yeah. And then I have um, another company called Tara, which is a women's leadership and entrepreneur network. And it really was born out of this idea of we've got to get people back in the room together. We've got to get people networking and talking to each other again. And I, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of, of people that are starting to understand that this digital ecosystem that we've created is wonderful. And, and I think that there's so much leverage that can be had off of digital, but at the same time, it's this, it's this in-person interaction. It's these personal connections that we've got to get back. And so Tara was really um, crafted to do that, but really focusing it around education, um, accountability and, and bringing women together in a way that, that feels really dynamic and exciting. So, Oh my gosh, it's awesome. And in the show notes, we will have all of your contact information, cool. how to get a hold of you. And, and so if anybody has any questions and wants to reach out to you directly, we will have all of that in the show notes for them. Um, you know, you have been such a blessing and such a great guest. And I'm so thankful for the, the insight that you've given us. Do you have any kind of final thoughts that you'd like to share? You know, I, I think that the, the only final thought that I would share with anybody is just this constant bug in your ear to just get out there and do it. 
get out there. Don't make an excuse to not go to an event. Don't make an excuse to not have a coffee. Um, don't make an excuse to not help someone. I mean, obviously, if you're strapped for time, like all of us are, um, be judicious about where you're spending it. But, right. but I think that, that really so much of the challenge that we run into is ourselves getting in our own way you know, just me mentally roadblocking things. And, and I'm just as much culprit of it as anybody else. Um, I'm the first person to be like, Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to, I don't want to go to that event. But, but I really think that, that when you have that thought, have the next thought of no, let's go. I'll give it 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And, 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 and again, you, you never know who you're going to run into or, or what you're going to find. So that's great final thoughts. And true, I mean, it's funny. You go, you say 15 minutes, that's it. And before you know it, it's like, damn, I've been here an hour. I got to get out of here. You know? I got to get out of here. Exactly. exactly. That's awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your insight with us. Uh, I look forward to having you back again. Absolutely. It was great. And I'm, you know, I'm here for any advice for anybody that's out there listening. I'm, I'm always, always up for a cup of coffee and, and a conversation. So thank happy you. to help. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So much, Sarah. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. See you soon. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. Bye. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.